Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. I believe that God wants us to be changed and transformed into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Anybody need a copy of the notes? Just kindly raise your hand if you'd like to have a copy of the notes. Some back here, some around here. If we can have some workers. I don't see any workers. Amen. Okay. Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 11 will be our opening text. And let's look at what the prophet Isaiah spoke. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Think about that. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that I may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth, that shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish, or accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What a wonderful section of scripture that reveals to us a need for us to do something about the way we think. God's ways and thoughts are not our ways and thoughts. His are superior to ours, higher than ours. If God had ever had a low, our highest could never even match his lowest. But we know he doesn't have a low, amen? Well, to better understand this, we need to look at some things from the word of God that talk about the makeup of a man. Once we first get saved, we're born again. We have the life and the nature of God on the inside of us. And thank God for that. But the important thing after you get saved is mind transformation. To change the way we think. Because we were not programmed to think the way God thinks. And just because we got saved, we got born again, doesn't mean that our thinking has changed to line up with His. And remember, his thoughts are a whole lot higher than ours. So, in order for God to deal with our minds, he gave us his word. And his word, what does his word do? Straightens out the way we think. Did you come to get straightened out tonight? To get your thinking straightened out tonight? And we all need it, don't we? We all need to straighten out the way we think. So that we can learn to line up with the thoughts of God. So that through thought replacement, praise God, we can add more of his life to our lives and less of ourselves. Because Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. So you're adding more of his life. Every time you renew your mind to the word of God, what you do is you add more of the life of God to you. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Our minds need to be renewed. This is our greatest need. But to understand it, we have to understand the triunity of man. Now, I'm sure that many of you have heard this before, but I'm sure some have not heard it, so bear with me. I believe it's absolutely important for us to understand the principles we're about to share. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or completely. And I pray God your whole, now notice this, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if he would just would have said, your spirit be preserved blameless, we'd all have it made. Wouldn't we? But he said, your soul and your body as well. Preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. So that means we all have a lot of work. Man is a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. He is a spirit. He has a soul. And he lives in the physical body. These are the three dimensions of man. And when man fell from the presence of God, all three parts of man's dimension were affected. His spirit was separated from God and took on the nature of death. His soul became darkened and he lost the knowledge of God. 
His body became mortal or subject to death. And as a result, he who was designed to live forever began to die. Now it took 930 years before Adam actually died physically. But the moment they ate or partook of the tree, they died instantly spiritually. So now you have a human being that was designed to live forever. His spirit separated from God. His soul is darkened. He's lost the knowledge of God. I really believe this. When, when they say we use 10% of our brain, you're a, you're a genius. What about the other 90%? I believe Adam used 100% of his brain power. Don't you? So imagine how much we've lost. Imagine it. And 10% considered a genius? Man, what's God like? It's beyond our understanding. So it's important we understand that God who loved us didn't leave us in that dilemma. As a matter of fact, he sent Jesus to do something about our threefold dilemma. To deal with our lost spiritual condition. To deal with the darkness of our mind. And make provision for our physical body. And so we're going to look at that. The first thing we're going to look at is the spirit of man. The spirit of man. Man is a spirit. And we should tell ourselves that. You know why? Because for the most part throughout the day, we think of ourselves as a body. Body has a lot of voices. It has one that gets hungry and lets you know it right around noontime. You know, sometimes I could just be sitting there minding my own business and nothing is, you know, just minding my own studying or whatever. Someone says, you want to have lunch? And the next thing I know, my stomach says, mm-hmm. It just begins growling. It just begins making a lot of noise. Or if you see a billboard and you see something on the billboard that you really, really, really like. You weren't even thinking about food, but the moment you saw it, the thought was in your mind. And what happened? Mm, the stomach started to respond to that. We are a spirit being. God made us in his image and likeness, and God is a spirit. And so we're a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body, and the spirit of man is the real man. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 4, we're told it's called the hidden man of the heart. Remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the inward man is renewed day by day, but the outward man perishes. This outward man is perishing, it's growing older, it's maturing every single day, but the inward man is renewed how often? Day by day. How many of you know you're not going backwards in your age? They're going forward, okay? But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Notice he's talking about the inward man. This man on the inside, the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even in the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, the spirit of man, which is in the sight of God of great price. When Jesus came in, praise God, and washed us in his blood, he gave us a new heart. You see, the spirit of man is the real man, the hidden man of the heart, the inward man that's renewed day by day. And conscience is the voice of the spirit. It's with the spirit we contact the spiritual realm, but conscience is the voice of the spirit. And the spirit of man needs to be born again. Every person in this world, you've been born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll die once. And that's so important to know. This spirit on the inside of us has got to be born of the spirit. Born again. Look at John 5.24. We've got to pass from death to life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Have you passed from death to life? You have the life and nature of God on the inside of you because you pass from death to life. Man could never pass from death to life apart from the life of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. If it were not for that, we would be eternally lost and death would be lodged in our spirit throughout eternity and we suffer the consequences of eternal death and separation from God in the place of torture and suffering for eternity. Any takers, anybody want that? We don't want that, do we? No, but praise be to God, Jesus made provisions for that. And then look at Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creature, new creation, or a new species that never before existed. Praise God. Have you ever seen yourself that way as a new species that never before existed? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, I guarantee you when you got saved, your hair color didn't change. The size of your nose didn't change. My height never changed. I just got saved. What does he mean all things pass away? Everything inside your spirit is, thank God, gone. 
and you've got a new heart, a new spirit, a new life, born again, a clean slate, pure, holy, righteous, a masterpiece in the sight of the living God. That's who we all are. Masterpiece. And on the inside of us, we are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. And you look good on the inside. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're holy. You're godly. Praise God. You got it going on the inside of your spirit. That's who you are. More than a conqueror, a world overcomer. Praise God for who we are in Christ. But then secondly, we come to the soulish part of man. The soul of man. Man's soul is comprised of his mind, will, emotions, and intellect. That is the soulish part of man. With his soul, he contacts the mental or the emotional realm. And what is the voice of the soul? Reason. Reason is the voice of the soul. We are reasoning beings. Well, the soul, just like the spirit of man, needs something. The spirit needs saved, but the soul needs saved. It actually needs renewed. It needs restored. It needs saved. Let's find out. Psalm 23, verse 3. He restored my soul. He restores my soul. To restore something means to take it back to its original state. If you take a piece of furniture, and maybe it's been painted over a few times, and you take it somewhere and have it dipped, get all the paint off of it, and then possibly restore it back to its original state, stain it with the same kind of stain or whatever, or if you take a car that's an older car, and we see a lot of times people take their, their classic cars, and what do they do? They restore them back to their original state. Well, thank God we've been born again, and that's an instant. But when it comes to the soul of man and the way we think, we've been programmed to think a certain way all of our lives. We've been governed by spiritual death that we had on the inside of us. And actually thought the things that we were doing were probably okay. Or we couldn't control them. Or we had to act the way we act. But then when you get the life and nature of God on the inside of you, you start finding out something on the inside is against what I'm doing on the outside. And see, the thing is, if we don't get our minds restored back to the way God wants us to think, remember, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, then we're going to continue acting out the mindset that we had before we got born again. So we have to have our mind restored, our soul restored. But then also renewed. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. The mind needs to be renewed. Transformation can only come one way, by the renewing of our mind. To be transformed. So the life on the inside that transformed our spirit, God wants to get on the outside. So we're transformed, how? By the renewing of our mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so we see the soul of man needs restored. The soul of man needs renewed to the word of God and I call it thought replacement you replace your thoughts with God thoughts but you can't do that unless you go to the word of God and find out how God thinks and what he thinks about things right but then this next one I really love this is so powerful James 1 and verse 21 wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to what save your souls wait a minute I thought I was already saved no, you see, soul doesn't mean your spirit. Your spirit was born again. Back it up in a few verses. You find out he said, of his will beget he you with the word of truth. You've already been begotten. He's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to believers. And he's talking about their mental state. He's talking about how they think. They were thinking that their persecution came from God. They were thinking that their situations that they were encountering, the difficulties and all that, were from God. They were thinking the trials they were encountering came from God. But James said to them, don't let any man say that when you're tempted, tested, or tried, that you're tempted, tested, or tried of God, because God doesn't do that. The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. Of his own will begat you with the word of truth. Mm -mm. He said, look, be a doer of the word. But he said this, lay apart all that filthy way of thinking, and do what? Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to do what? Save your soul. And I did a study years ago on that. It means to deliver yourself from your corrupt reasoning faculties. Do you hear that? Deliver yourself from your corrupt reasoning faculties. We all need delivered from the corrupt way of thinking that really programmed us when we were spiritually dead. 
So unless we get the knowledge of God, the mind of God, the words of God, and the mind of Christ, and say, I need to be restored, I need to be renewed, I need to be delivered, saved, from this corrupt way of thinking, then basically we're saved in spirit, but we're not really transformed and changing into the person that Christ wants us to be. And there's nothing more important than that. Why? Because that's what he died for. Not so that we can sneak into heaven, but so that his transforming power can ooze out of our spirit. It's calling living life from the inside out. You've got this life, this love, this faith. You've got this joy, this peace, this patience on the inside. And God wants it to manifest outside. But to get it out, our minds have got to be renewed to God's way of thinking. Otherwise, we'll go on acting the way we did before we got saved. And Paul called that carnality. A carnal Christian, you know, that does that. And then also, the third part is the body. The physical body that we live in. Okay, what does the scripture refer to that as? Well, it is our earthly home. Our earthly house, you could say. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And once again, if you back it up to a few verses, he just got done saying this. This outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So he's talking about this outward man and this inward man. He's saying, now if this outward man, the house of this tabernacle, this tent that we're living in, were dissolved, we have a building of God. Hallelujah. On the inside of us, we have the building of God. Remember Jesus said, go ahead and destroy this temple. I will rebuild it in three days. He's talking about your spirit being born again. Thank God we have this building of God on the inside. But the body is what keeps us attached to the earth. I was, um, <laughs> my granddaughter celebrated her um, eighth birthday. And on her birthday, on the 15th of, of uh, September, I took over a huge helium balloon saying in big letters, happy birthday. And as I got out of the car and walked over on the uh, sidewalk, she was in the backyard with her friends, and my daughter-in-law called her up, and see, all three of them came up. And they came up, and they stood right there, and she looked with a big smile on her face from ear to ear. And I walked over and says, Happy birthday, Angelina. And she came over, gave me a hug, and I gave her the helium balloon. It had a long, wasn't a string, but it was like a wire like that, wrapped around about that long. I said, Now hold on to it, honey, because, you know, that'll float away. And she said, thank you, Papa. And my daughter-in-law, she had it one second in her hand. And she went to take a picture on the phone. And the little girl standing next to her, she's just, you know how the kids are. She smacked it, thinking it's going to go boop. She hit it. It became dislodged and took off to the sky. It was gone in a flash. I had this look on my face like, (laughs) what just happened here? And it was gone. I saw her face. She's a little bit of tears started to come into her eyes. And we just said, well, it's on its way to see Jesus. He must have needed it up there in glory or something. And why am I saying that? Because you see, if this earth suit that we're living in was dissolved, whoosh, <laughs> we're out of here. You need it to keep you attached to the earth. And he had to leave us in this one that we're living in. Couldn't give us a glorified one because we'd go to heaven then also. But he had to leave us back here on the earth so we could be witnesses to people that are here in everyday life that we meet and that we talk to and fellowship with and work with and all that. So it's important we understand the place the body holds. And God is concerned about the physical body. Well, the body contacts the physical realm that we live in. And what's the voice of the body? feeling feeling is the voice of the body we've got our five physical senses that help us navigate through this life but what does the body need the body needs a couple of things it needs controlled and it needs crucified it does so let's look at it needs sacrifice too so 2 Corinthians, 
we saw that uh, 1 Corinthians 9 27 notice what the apostle Paul said but I keep under my body wait a minute Paul what do you mean I I well who's I apparently he's not a body he must be a spirit I keep under my what body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway so in other words Paul if you back up some of those verses what you find out he's talking about I'm not one that's fighting to beat the air I'm the one that's running a race to see that I win the prize and the thing that's stopping me and slowing me down as I run my race is what the sins and weight that so heavily beset me easily beset me and hold me back and it's all attached to this physical body of mine and so therefore my body needs to be under control because if it's not under control and it's out of control I'm not giving place to my spirit I'm letting my body reign over my life so the body of sin has been destroyed praise God because of the life of God that's on the inside of us and sin shall not have dominion over us and so God wants us to see to it that we keep the body under control but then also it needs sacrificed here go back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 uh, it needs sacrificed and notice I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service or spiritual duty so every one of us is responsible to do what sacrifice our bodies just as they brought sacrifices in the Old Testament to sacrifice before the Lord we bring a sacrifice of our body but it's praise not an animal sacrifice it's our living sacrifice myself I sacrifice my goals my desires my aspirations my dreams because I want his fulfilled in my life I want to live to honor him I want to live to glorify him I want to live to serve him and him alone and so yes some people will say you Christians are crazy because you know you don't do this and you don't do that and you live your life this way a certain way goody two shoes and all that that you are but you know what we're going to get rewarded for what we're doing and this is temporary and when they think they could bring their trophy with them or their whatever they've won it's not going to happen it's not going to happen it ends here and it's all left behind but because you made your sacrifice in your life to serve God with your life and do what God wants you to do you're going to experience praise God rewards on the other side now in the book of Galatians this isn't in your notes but in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and let's see there's a warfare between the flesh and the spirit this I say then walk in the spirit you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh this is verse 16 verse 17 for the flesh lusts against the spirit spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to the other that, so that you cannot do the things that you would have you been there before okay so there's a warfare taking place and then he names the works of the flesh but if you back it up to chapter 3 now and notice this in verse 28 for there is neither bond nor Jew nor Greek, there's bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, but you're all one in Christ Jesus. And being one in Christ Jesus, praise God, we have the benefits of, of, of the Abrahamic covenant. But I'm looking for the verse that says, to crucify the flesh. How am I missing that? Galatians chapter 5. Verse 24. And they that are Christ's, are you Christ tonight? If you're Christ, they have crucified the flesh. I can't think of a stronger term or word to use with regard to our responsibility to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice than that word crucify. Crucify the flesh. Think about that. With the lust thereof. God wants us to sacrifice our bodies he wants us to crucify our flesh he wants us to keep it under control and whose responsibility is it? ours so you see the spirit needs born again the soul needs renewed restored and the body needs to be kept under or controlled crucified and sacrificed 
Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like you and I have a lot to do as far as not looking at anybody else and what they're doing with their lives, but looking in a mirror and looking at ourselves and saying, my goodness, I've got a lot to do to work on me. Anybody here, your flesh ever give you a problem? Anyone? A few of you? The rest of you, what's your secret? <laughs> the flesh wants to act up. And just when you think you've just gone over the hump in something, you act up again. The flesh needs daily crucified, spoken to, talked to, and said, you're not going to dominate my life. Thank you, Father, for clothing me with your spirit today that your purposes may be fulfilled in my life and through my words and through my actions. That should be a wonderful prayer that we all pray before the Lord every single morning. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit within me to clothe me, to help me with regard to crucifying my flesh, controlling it, keeping it under, and sacrificing it to you. And to be honest with you, if we want to have the power manifested in us to achieve this, if we'll offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, we'll be so flooded with the life, the nature, the ability, the power, the anointing of God, it'll make it a whole lot easier for us to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Okay, now that being said, there's something else important about the body. Look at Romans chapter 8. The body one day, good time to shout, will be glorified. One day the body you're living in is going to change. It'll be transformed in the twinkling of an eye and it will be glorified. It will never give you a problem again. It'll be in complete harmony with your spirit and soul. Look what it says. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together till now. And not only they, but also ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. What's that? The redemption of our body. So Jesus made provision for us to be saved, born again. That's our spirit. He made provisions through his word for us to have a renewed mind, restored mind. He restores our soul and delivered from our corrupt way of thinking. But he also made provision for the body that you're living in one day to be glorified, changed in the twinkling of an eye, praise God. Restored Amen. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look to, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. Think about that. Think your body being vile. Wow. That it may be fashioned like another his glorious body. Vile, glorious, take your pick. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things under himself. In other words, what's Paul saying? We're looking for the day. We're groaning within ourselves when this flesh on the outside that wars against our spirit on the inside is consumed with the power and the glory of God, glorified, so that they're in harmony with each other once again. So you can think about it. We're almost like walking zombies. We've got life on the inside, death on the outside. And who's the middleman? The soul. You see, and the flesh is vying for control of the soul, and the spirit is vying for control of the soul, and whichever way we lean is what's going to dominate us. Think about that statement. Well, look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. There's only one thing that can divide between spirit and soul. The transformed mind is absolutely essential, but there's only one thing that can help us better understand how to get this operation going. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Notice soul and spirit can only be divided by the word of God. And joints and marrows are discerned of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Only the word of God can divide between what is spiritual, what is soulish, between the spirit and soul. So the spirit and soul of man always stay together. And when man leaves this realm, the spirit and soul go and the body stays behind. But for us to better understand what spirit, what soul... We need the Word of God. We have to have that revelation given to us from the Word of God. So you can say, here's our condition. We are saved in spirit. Our spirit is saved. Our soul is being saved. And our body will be saved in the future. When is that? When the rapture comes. So I'm saved. I was saved years ago. 
I'm being saved in the renewing of my mind, restoring my soul, delivering myself from my corrupt reasoning faculties. And then my body on that day will be glorified. It will be saved. So you can say our salvation is past, present, and future tense. So thanks be to God that we can, in the meantime, grow spiritually by renewing our mind and having our soul restored and practicing what I call thought replacement. If we're going to promote our own spiritual growth and development, we are going to have to practice this thing called thought replacement. Transferring my thoughts for his thoughts. My ways for his ways. Now, changing the way we think is absolutely essential. In the book of uh, Proverbs verse 23, and this is verse 7, and this is from the uh, New American Standard Bible. The first part of it says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. As he thinks within himself, so he is. So as a man thinks within himself, he becomes that. And if our thinking is wrong, then our speaking, our believing is going to be wrong. If our thinking and believing are wrong, then our speaking is going to be wrong. It all starts with thinking. And if we think wrong about things, we're going to believe wrong, speak wrong, and we're going to have wrong. We're going to act wrong. This is how we're built. This is how we're made up. And so God is speaking to us in his word and he's saying, look, you've been born again, but now you've got to get your mind renewed and restored. You've got to get delivered from the way you think and start thinking my way. Practice thought replacement. No matter what you think about yourself right now, don't form your opinion of yourself based on what you feel. Base your opinion on what the word says. You are my handiwork. You are my creation. You are my masterpiece. I have designed you. I've washed you in the blood of the lamb. So stop saying who you think you are. And start saying who I think. And say that you are. Based on your redemption. Based on the sacrifice of Christ. That's what he wants us all to do. And there's going to be a fight. There's no question about it. There's going to be a struggle. Because the flesh is going to war against it. You get up every morning, you look inside that mirror, you may not feel great. You may not think you look great. How many people have taken their lives because they don't look good enough? They're not satisfied with who they are. They wish they were somebody else, etc. Their life is meaningless, etc., etc. If that's how they see themselves, they'll become what they're saying. As they think in their heart, so they become. You could have someone come along and tell them, you're beautiful. You're handsome. You've got things going for you etc. You're intelligent. But because you see the enemy comes along and tells them they're a nobody, they're nothing, devaluing their person and who they are. And they start thinking that, entertaining that, and believing that. Starts with your thinking. And they believe that. And they start saying that. And before you know it becomes a stronghold in their lives. And it controls their lives. And sad to say in some cases it ends up in committing suicide and taking their life. Well, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and this, this is, there's a lot here, but you know what, I really want us to, to read through this, because this testimony of Naaman really shows us the importance and the value of learning these principles tonight, and putting them into practice, because it makes the difference between life and death. Matter of fact, before I go any further, I don't want to forgive to give you an Anthony update. Because this just struck me right now when I'm thinking about this. Andrew told me this beginning of the week, he said, we've been talking to Anthony, and on Friday he's accepting Jesus as his Savior. This Friday. This coming Friday. It's on hold. It's this. Now remember, it's been three years he's been witnessing to Anthony, who's an atheist. And he daily, nightly, when he goes to bed, thank you for saving Anthony. Thank you for saving Anthony. His parents were atheists. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. That's how it started. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. He got to where he didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in heaven or hell. Then it started. He believed in hell. Well, we're getting him halfway there. He believed in hell. And so after a long period in process, he said he's going to accept him on Friday. So we want to continue to lift up Anthony as we know that Friday he took a Bible, a little new birth packet, and I wrote him out a sinner's prayer. And he asked him again yesterday, you ready to accept Jesus on, on Friday? He said, yes, I am. I'm accepting Jesus on Friday. So, Andrew's on fire. 
And the beauty of it, Andrew, what he says is, Dad, if he accepts him on Friday, he'll probably come to church on Sunday, get baptized in water, and his whole family will come to church. <laughs> he dreams big, man. He goes for it all. I said, well, you might want to slow that down just a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll see about that. But certainly we'll invite him to come to church, and certainly his family's welcome to come to church. But we'll take it one step at a time, son. Amen. Second Kings chapter 5. And, and this more than anything else, a couple of things in the Bible that really stand out to me about the importance of painting pictures upon the canvas of a heart with right thinking, okay? This is Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a great man with his master and honorable because why? By him the Lord had given deliverance into Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife and she said unto her mistress would God my Lord were in the prophet with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy now think about that thought if you're the one that has leprosy and one went in and told his Lord saying thus and thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel and the king of Syria said, go to, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten ch changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, he got ecstatic for joy. Uh, no, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man to send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. In other words, he's setting me up. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. See, that's all we get from that, up to that point. We don't hear much before this about what he's thinking, what he's picturing, what he's seeing, and all that. All we know is apparently he believed that there was a prophet there in, in, in Samaria that could possibly recover him of his leprosy. So he's ready to go. And along the way, he is painting a picture in his mind and his heart as to how this thing is going to transpire. So Elisha sent him, sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come to thee, again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. You would think that those would be the most wonderful words you could possibly ever hear. There it is. There's your answer. Leprosy gone. Go to the river. Dip seven times. Your flesh will come. You'll be healed of leprosy. But Naaman was angry and went away and said, Behold, I thought. Everybody say, I thought. Now, don't think it. Because you see, what I thought doesn't really matter a whole lot. What matters is what God thought. God thought. And he gave his thoughts over to Naaman. And when he said, if you abide by these thoughts, you'll get healed of leprosy. But Naaman was angry and went away. And he said, behold, I thought, and here's the picture he painted along the way. He will surely come out to me. And he didn't. He sent a servant out. News reporters, Fox News, see. CNN, MSNBC, they'll all be there outside the house and all that. No, nothing that, nothing like that. Surely be some pomp and circumstance because he's a, you know, a well-respected individual. He'll come out to me instead and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He painted this picture. Are not Abrana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and, and went in a rage. Now, now picture this. You have leprosy. And he says, if you just do this, you'll be healed. Because it doesn't suit you. <laughs> you pack up your bags. You go off your own way in a rage. All because what? I thought. How powerful is that? He could have gone all the way back. And if he went all the way back, there's no healing power. God's not a healer. There's nobody to recover me of leprosy. Why? Because it wasn't the way you wanted it to be? 
Because of the way you thought? The importance of renewing our minds. Well, his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. You know, sometimes it takes the lowly ones to have a little bit of common sense and try to talk some common sense into the one who sees himself superior. Well, guess what? He changed his thinking. He changed his mindset. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You realize there's the distinct difference between cleanse the leprosy or leprosy for the rest of your life, to take your life. And all because of a thought, it wasn't his way, it wasn't what he liked. And there's so much more to this story and this message. You see, pride gets in the way. It messes up our thinking. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And I believe this is my own thoughts on this. With every layer, when he went in the muddy waters of Jordan, he had to take off his military coat that he had on with all the you know, things that he had here, patches and everything, showing how great he was as a military leader, all his successes and everything. First layer of pride has got to come off. Take it off. Go dip one time. Comes back up. Nothing. Go dip another time. Another layer of pride comes off. The third time, another layer of pride comes off. You see, sometimes what it takes for God to really get to the heart of a person. Every layer of pride had to be removed and stripped away from him. And then on the seventh time, when he came up, his flesh is restored like that of a child. Notice what stubbornness will do when we don't think the way God wants us to think. We don't renew our minds. We can't be transformed. And like this man, you can stay sick. And in some cases, you could even die eternally because you refuse to think the thoughts of God. There was a battle for the mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 3 through 5. There is a battle for the mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And these strongholds are thoughts in the mind of a person. Casting down images or imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So first of all, how can I cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God if I don't have the knowledge of God, if I don't know the knowledge of God? It is essential that we renew our minds, restore our minds to the Word of God, to know what God said about everything that pertains to our lives. And then you know what? We embrace it. Look at Whether it's politics, whether it's medical things, physical things for our bodies, whether it's our finances, our marriage, our family, our children, whatever it might be. God has thoughts on every subject in the Bible. You realize that every subject is written for us right there in His holy written word. It is up to us to get a hold of this word of God and treat it like it is the true word of God that has life in it. And you know what? Start declaring what it says to be true in your life. It's going to take time because the renewing of the mind is progressive it will take time in order for, for it to take place. But you embrace it. You grab a hold of it. Matter of fact, there are some scriptures, Philemon 1.6, that tells us that the communication of our faith is effectual as we acknowledge every good thing in us in Christ Jesus. If I don't acknowledge it, it's not going to take over my life. I have to acknowledge every good thing that is in me in Christ Jesus. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will you do? Direct your path. So in other words, we've got a responsibility to transform our minds by thinking the way God wants us to think, even like a Naaman, if what you're thinking is completely different from what the God says. So if it's different, then I'm going to change and transform the way I think and believe and think the way God wants me to think. Because my thinking will affect my believing, will affect my speaking, will affect my having or acting whatever I do. And so never forget this. 
The enemy will target the mind. There is a battle. There is a warfare. He will paint pictures of despair. He'll paint pictures of defeat. He'll paint pictures of low self-esteem. He'll paint pictures of fear in your mind. And, and all these negative negativity, pessimism, and all that in your mind. To get you to believe that about yourself. And if you embrace it, if you get a hold of it, then guess what? That will dominate the life. That will basically short circuit the power of God from our lives. Because we're siding with the flesh or we're siding with the enemy. God wants us to make a decision. That even if it sounds illogical to me. I'm going to act upon the word of God. Now remember when Jesus was in the wilderness. And the enemy came to tempt him those three times. What did he use to, to stand against the forces of darkness? Three times it is written. It is written. It is written. This is not teaching us to do something that he didn't do. He won the victory and the battle over temptation by saying it is written. He knew what was written. He believed what was written. He spoke what was written. He acted on what was written. And when he did that all those three times the Bible says the devil left him looking for a more opportune time. You know when that more opportune time is? When we're not feeding on the word of God. When we're not filling ourselves up with the, the Word of God. When uh, we have a challenge and our minds just begin to wander in a different direction. And we don't keep our minds renewed and empowered by the Word of God. He knows that. And so he'll come along. But because Jesus defeated him with the Word by saying it is written. We can do the same thing. It is written. What's the enemy telling you today? What's your flesh telling you today? What is he telling you that you cannot do as a born again, spirit filled, blood washed child of God? Is there something he's telling you that you can't achieve? Is he saying there's no job for you to find? Is he saying that your financials, uh, financial resources are, are going to be depleted and you're not going to have this, that, and the other thing? You know what? Take no thought saying what the enemy says. Take no thought saying what your flesh says. Take no thought saying what the economy says. What the news reporters are saying. Just take thought what God said. You are the Lord my God. You are my helper. You said you never leave me nor forsake me. So I boldly say you're my helper. And I will not fear what's going on in the world today. I will not be afraid. I will not fear. You're my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You're the strength of my life. Who shall I be afraid? You're my refuge and my strength, my present help in times of trouble. Therefore, I won't fear. If the, if the mountains be cast to the midst of the sea, I will not fear. Because beneath me lie your everlasting arms. And you will lift me up. If I'm passing through the fire, you'll be there with me. Praise God. And I will not be burned. If I go through the waters, I'm not going to drown. I'm not going to sink. I'm not going to go under. You know why? Because I know you're right there. Praise God to help me swim. I know, I know that I know that my Redeemer liveth. The God I serve is a living God. And I choose to echo His words in the face of adversity. And declare that what He said is true. So it is written, praise God. I'm lining up with the Word of God. Hallelujah. That's something that, you know what? That's something that if Cain would have done, he would not have killed his brother. We won't take the time to read it. But I'll tell you what. If Cain would have done what we're saying to do. When those thoughts came into his mind and he felt rejection, he felt jealousy, he felt anger. Why? In despair, hopelessness. Why? Because God says, I'm not accepting your sacrifice because it wasn't the correct. What, no matter what it was, it wasn't the correct sacrifice. There was something wrong with the sacrifice. And when God himself came down and counseled Cain and said, why has your countenance fallen? Why is your head down? Why are you depressed down in the dumps and all that? Yes, I accepted your brother's sacrifice because it was the right sacrifice. But if you do the right thing, I'll accept your sacrifice as well. And so he contemplated it. He thought it over and over and over. His thinking affected his believing, his speaking, and his actions. And he went and killed his brother. What did he entertain? It's his fault that God didn't accept your sacrifice. It's his fault that you're on the outside rejected and all that. It's, your, it's his fault. It's his fault. He painted a picture that it was his brother's fault. And he, he just fell for it. Hook line, hook, line, and sinker. He embraced the thought. That's where it begins. Murder begins with a thought. Adultery begins with a thought. Isn't that what Jesus taught? It all begins in the mind with a thought. You're not going to live. Reject the thought. I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You're never going to make it. Praise God, I will not sink. I will not go under. My God will see me through. We take every thought captive. We cast on every imagination. Don't let the enemy paint a picture of defeat or despair or depression in your life. And make you think that you can't do it. 
And if Cain would have done the right thing, he said, if you'd done the right thing, you'd have been accepted, not rejected. And you too would have a full life. Guess what? He lived a life of a vagabond for the rest of his life under a curse. All because of a thought that he refused to reject and kick out of his consciousness. So praise God that we can think the thoughts of God and give God place in our lives to be transformed individuals. Amen? So, it's up to us. It's our decision that we have to make. God gave us His Word to instruct us, to enlighten us, to change our way of thinking, to help us renew our minds and restore it. But ultimately, it's, it's our decision. And the process is not overnight. It's progressive. It takes time. But I guarantee, my brother and my sister, if we will take the time through meditation and speaking the Word of God over and over again, we'll begin to see a transformation take place that will rise us, raise us up out of defeat and into victory. And praise God, I believe transformation will take place in all of our lives. God will be glorified. Jesus will be lifted up. The devil will be terrified because you know who you are in Christ. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.